chapter eight of mrs craddock by william somerset mom this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by tony oliva the kentish coast is bleak and gray between leanham and blackstable through the long winter months the winds of the north sea sweep down upon it bowing the trees before them and from the murky waters perpetually arise the clouds and roll up in heavy banks it is a country that offers those who live there what they give sometimes the sombre colours and the silent sea express only restfulness and peace sometimes the chill breezes send the blood racing through the veins but also the solitude can answer the deepest melancholy or the cheerless sky a misery which is more terrible than death the moment's mood seems always reproduced in the surrounding scenes and in them may be found as it were a synthesis of the emotions bertha stood upon the high road which ran past court leys and from the height looked down upon the lands which were hers close at hand the only habitations were a pair of humble cottages from which time and rough weather had almost effaced the obtrusiveness of human handiwork they stood away from the road among fruit trees a part of nature and not a blot upon it as court leys had never ceased to be all around were fields great stretches of ploughed earth and meadows of coarse herbage the trees were few and stood out here and there in the distance bent before the wind beyond was black stable straggling grey houses with a border of new villas built for the londoners who came in summer and the sea was dotted with the smacks of the fishing town bertha looked at the scene with sensations that she had never known the heavy clouds hung above her shutting out the whole world and she felt an invisible barrier between herself and all other things this was the land of her birth out of which she and her fathers before her had arisen they had their day and one by one returned whence they came and became again united with the earth she had withdrawn from the pomps and vanities of life to live as her ancestors had lived ploughing the land sowing and reaping but her children the sons of the future would belong to a new stock stronger and fairer than the old the lays had gone down into the darkness of death and her children would bear another name all these things she gathered out of the brown fields and the grey sea mist she was a little tired and the physical sensation caused a mental fatigue so that she felt in her suddenly the weariness of a family that had lived too long she knew she was right to choose new blood to mix with the old blood of the lays it needed freshness and youth the massive strength of her husband to bring life to the decayed race her thoughts wandered to her father the dilettante who wandered through italy in search of beautiful things and emotions which his native country could not give him of miss ley whose attitude towards life was a shrug of the shoulders and a well-bred smile of contempt was not she the last of them wise feeling herself too weak to stand alone she had taken a mate whose will and vitality 
would be a pillar of strength to her de failance her husband had still in his sinews the might of his mother the earth a barbaric power which knew not the subtleties of weakness he was the conqueror and she was his handmaiden but an umbrella was being waved at mrs craddock from the bottom of the hill and she smiled recognizing the masculine walk of miss glover even from a distance the maiden's determination and strength of mind were apparent she approached her face redder even than usual after the climb encased in the braided jacket that fitted her as severely as sardines are fitted in their tin i was coming to see you bertha she cried i heard you were back we've been home several days getting to rights miss glover shook bertha's hand with much vigor and together they walked back to the house along the avenue bordered with leafless trees now do tell me all about your honeymoon i'm so anxious to hear everything but bertha was not very communicative she had an instinctive dislike to telling her private affairs and never had any overpowering desire for sympathy oh i don't think there's much to tell she answered when they were in the drawing-room and she was pouring out tea for her guest i suppose all honeymoons are more or less alike you funny girl said miss glover didn't you enjoy it yes said bertha with a smile that was almost ecstatic then after a little pause we had a very good time we went to all the theatres miss glover felt that marriage had caused a difference in bertha and it made her nervous to realize the change she looked uneasily at the married woman and occasionally blushed and are you really happy she blurted out suddenly bertha smiled and reddening looked more charming than ever yes i think i'm perfectly happy aren't you sure asked miss glover who cultivated precision in every part of life and strongly disapproved of persons who did not know their own minds bertha looked at her for a moment as if considering the question you know she answered at last happiness is never quite what one expected it to be i hardly hoped for so much but i didn't imagine it quite like it is oh well i think it's better not to go into these things replied miss glover a little severely thinking the suggestion of analysis scarcely suitable in a young married woman we ought to take things as they are and be thankful ought we said bertha lightly i never do i'm never satisfied with what i have they heard the opening of the front door and bertha jumped up there's edward i must go and see him you don't mind do you she almost skipped out of the room marriage curiously enough had dissipated the gravity of manner which had made people find so little girlishness about her she seemed younger lighter of heart what a funny creature she is thought miss glover when she was a girl she had all the ways of a married woman and now that she's really married she might be a schoolgirl the parson's sister was not certain whether the irresponsibility of bertha was fit to her responsible position whether her unusual bursts of laughter were proper to a mystic state demanding gravity i hope she'll turn out all right she sighed but bertha impulsively rushed to her husband and kissed him she helped him off with his coat i'm so glad to see you again she cried laughing a little at her own eagerness 
for it was only after luncheon that he had left her is there anyone here he asked noticing miss glover's umbrella he returned his wife's embrace somewhat mechanically come and see said bertha taking his arm and dragging him along you must be dying for tea you poor thing miss glover he said shaking the lady's hand as energetically as she shook his how good of you to come and see us i am glad to see you you see we came home sooner than we expected there's no place like the country is there you're right there mr craddock i can't bear london oh you don't know it said bertha for you it's aerated bread shops exeter hall and church congresses bertha cried edward in a tone of surprise he could not understand frivolity with miss glover that good creature was far too kind-hearted to take offence at any remark of bertha's and smiled grimly she could smile in no other way tell me what you did in london i can't get anything out of bertha craddock's mind was communicative nothing pleased him more than to give people information and he was always ready to share his knowledge with the world at large he never picked up a fact without rushing to tell it to somebody else some persons when they know a thing immediately lose interest and it bores them to discuss it but craddock was not one of these nor could repetition exhaust his eagerness to enlighten his fellows he would tell an hundred people the news of the day and be as fresh as ever when it came to the hundred and first such a characteristic is undoubtedly a gift useful in the highest degree to schoolmasters and politicians but slightly tedious to their hearers craddock favoured his guest with a detailed account of all their adventures in london the plays they had seen the plots thereof and the actors who played them he gave the complete list of the museums and churches and public buildings they had visited while bertha looked at him smiling happily at his enthusiasm she cared little what he spoke of the mere sound of his voice was music in her ears and she would have listened delightedly while he read aloud from end to end whitaker's almanac that was a thing by the way which he was quite capable of doing edward corresponded far more with miss glover's conception of the newly married man than did bertha with that of the newly married woman he's a nice fellow she said to her brother afterwards when they were eating their supper of cold mutton solemnly seated at either end of a long table yes answered the vicar in his tired patient voice i think he'll turn out a good husband mr glover was patience itself which a little irritated miss ley who liked a man of spirit and of that mr glover had never a grain he was resigned to everything he was resigned to his food being badly cooked to the perversity of human nature to the existence of dissenters almost to his infinitesimal salary he was resignation driven to death miss ley said he was like those spanish donkeys that one sees plodding along in a string listlessly bearing over heavy loads patient 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 but not so patient as mr glover the donkey sometimes kicked the vicar of lenham never 
i do hope it will turn out well charles said miss glover i hope it will he answered then after a pause did you ask them if they were coming to church to-morrow he helped himself to mashed potatoes noticing long-sufferingly that they were burnt again the potatoes were always burnt but he made no comment oh i quite forgot said his sister answering the question but i think they're sure to edward craddock was always a regular attendant mr glover made no reply and they kept silence for the rest of the meal immediately afterwards the parson went into his study to finish the morrow's sermon and miss glover took out of her basket her brother's woollen socks and began to darn them she worked for more than an hour thinking meanwhile of the craddocks she liked edward better and better each time she saw him and she felt he was a man who could be trusted she upbraided herself a little for her disapproval of the marriage her action was unchristian and she asked herself whether it was not her duty to apologize to bertha or to craddock the thought of doing something humiliating to her own self-respect attracted her wonderfully but bertha was different from other girls miss glover thinking of her grew confused but a tick of the clock to announce an hour about to strike made her look up and she saw it wanted but five minutes to ten i had no idea it was so late she got up tidily put away her work then taking from the top of the harmonium the bible and the big prayer-book which were upon it placed them at the end of the table she drew forward a chair for her brother and sat patiently to await his coming as the clock struck she heard the study door open and the vicar walked in without a word he went to the books and sitting down found his place in the bible are you ready she asked he looked up one moment over his spectacles yes miss glover leant forward and rang the bell the servant appeared with a basket of eggs which she placed on the table mr glover looked at her till she was settled on her chair and began the lesson afterwards the servant lit two candles and bade them good-night miss glover counted the eggs how many are there to-day asked the parson seven she answered dating them one by one and entering the number in a book kept for the purpose are you ready now asked mr glover yes charles she said taking one of the candles he put out the lamp and with the other candle followed her upstairs she stopped outside her door and bade him good-night he kissed her coldly on the forehead and they went into their respective rooms there is always a certain flurry in a country house on sunday morning there is in the air a feeling peculiar to the day a state of alertness and expectation for even when they are repeated for years week by week the preparations for church cannot be taken coolly the odor of clean linen is unmistakable every one is highly starched and somewhat ill at ease the members of the household ask one another if they're ready they hunt for prayer-books the ladies are never dressed in time and sally out at last buttoning their gloves the men stamp and fume and take out their watches edward of course wore a tail-coat and a top-hat which is quite the proper costume for the squire to go to church in 
and no one gave more thought to the proprieties than edward he held himself very upright cultivating the slightly self-conscious gravity considered fit to the occasion we shall be late bertha he said it will look bad the first time we come to church since our marriage too my dear said bertha you may be quite certain that even if mr glover is so indiscreet as to start for the congregation the ceremony will not really begin till we appear they drove up in an old-fashioned brougham used only for going to church and to dinner parties and the word was immediately passed by the loungers at the porch to the devout within there was a rustle of attention as mr and mrs craddock walked up the aisle to the front pew which was theirs by right he looks at home don't he murmured the natives for the behaviour of edward interested them more than that of his wife who was sufficiently above them to be almost a stranger bertha sailed up with a royal unconsciousness of the eyes upon her she was pleased with her personal appearance and intensely proud of her good-looking husband mrs branderton the mother of craddock's best man fixed her eyeglass upon her and stared as is the custom of great ladies in the suburbs mrs branderton was a woman who cultivated the mode in the depths of the country a little giggling grey-haired creature who talked stupidly in a high cracked voice and had her two juvenile bonnets straight from paris she was a gentlewoman and this of course is a very fine thing to be she was proud of it in quite a nice way and in the habit of saying that gentlefolk were gentlefolk which if you come to think of it is a most profound remark i mean to go and speak to the craddocks afterwards she whispered to her son it will have a good effect on the leanham people i wonder if poor bertha feels it yet mrs branderton had a self-importance which was almost sublime it never occurred to her that there might be persons sufficiently ill-conditioned as to resent her patronage she did it all in kindness she showered advice upon all and sundry besides soups and jellies upon the poor to whom when they were ill she even sent her cook to read the bible she would have gone herself only she strongly disapproved of familiarity with the lower classes which made them independent and often rude mrs branderton knew without possibility of question that she and her equals were made of different clay from common folk but being a gentlewoman did not throw this fact in the latter's faces unless of course they gave themselves airs when she thought a straight talking to did them good without any striking advantages of birth money or intelligence mrs branderton never doubted her right to direct the affairs and fashions even the modes of thought of her neighbours and by sheer force of self-esteem had caused them to submit for thirty years to her tyranny hating her and yet looking upon her invitations to a bad dinner as something quite desirable mrs branderton had debated with herself how she should treat the craddocks 
i wonder if it's my duty to cut them she said edward craddock is not the sort of man a miss ley ought to marry but there are so few gentlefolk in the neighbourhood and of course people do make marriages which they wouldn't have dreamed of twenty years ago even the best society is very mixed nowadays perhaps i'd better err on the side of mercy mrs branderton was a little pleased to think that the lays required her support as was proved by the request of her son's services at the wedding the fact is gentlefolk are gentlefolk and they must stand by one another in these days of pork butchers and furniture people after the service when the parishioners were standing about the churchyard mrs branderton sailed up to the craddocks followed by arthur and in her high cracked voice began to talk with edward she kept an eye on the leanham people to see that her action was being duly noticed speaking to craddock in the manner a gentlewoman should adopt with a man whose gentility was a little doubtful of course he was very much pleased and flattered End of chapter eight